Hi, this is Ellie Kushner, and I'm here interviewing Elizabeth Sullivan for our podcast, Dancing Well. And Elizabeth Sullivan is a success coach and wellness mentor for pre-professional dancers based in New York City, but she works with dancers all over, remotely, I think, Mm -hmm. which she can talk more about. Um, So, Elizabeth, could you start just by telling us how you came to be doing what you're doing? Sure. Um, Well, I danced. Uh, I danced pre-professionally all through my, uh, well, basically high school, I guess things got really serious. And so I had that experience, and then I went on to dance professionally um, with the Cleveland Ballet and then the Boston Ballet companies before I retired and went to college. So I had this whole experience and this, this life experience and this work experience, and then I went off and did something totally different. And many years after I stopped dancing, I was just thinking, like, what was all that for? Like, what was it? There's got to be something I can do with that. Because I missed, I didn't miss dancing, and I didn't want to teach, but I missed being around dancers and thinking about dance-related things. So I went to graduate school um, with the intention of running a company or a school. Um, And then what ended up coming out of that was a thesis. I wrote my master's thesis on wellness programs for pre-professional ballet schools in America. And that was like, just brought me back to all these experiences that I had had as a dancer where there was no wellness, there was no awareness of anything having to do with physical or mental or emotional health at all. And how I just, I entered into this thesis process and I came out on the other end completely passionate about dancer wellness. And I was like, this is what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. So, So that's how, it happened. I just decided that like this was still needed because when I went to the thesis, I thought, oh, all these schools are going to have wellness programs now. They all have learned from the from the past abuse of dancers, and and I was amazed at how few schools had anything. And I was like, what? Like all this time has passed, and like nothing has changed. Very little had changed. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something about this. So that was the start. So I started by writing a curriculum that I piloted at, um, at a school in New York City and got to rework all of my theories and kind of come up with exercises and tools for dancers to use in the training environment. And that was really fun and really exciting. Um, it was also really hard to be in a wellness, be a wellness person in a school, associated with a school, because they had needs of their own that they felt that like I should be taken care of for them, which didn't necessarily align with my ideas about what would be good for dancers. So after that experience, even though it was really valuable, I decided I was going to work outside of schools primarily with dancers and their parents one-on-one because the information needed to come directly from me to the student and not mediated by any kind of school environment. That was what I felt would be most effective. And I still think that that's true. And you did a um, certification in life coaching. I I got two certifications after graduate school, which is hilarious because, you know, you go to graduate school and you're like, I'm done. Um, So I did did integrative um, health and nutrition through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City. And then about a year and a half later, I did another certification through Well Coaches. And that certification was more geared towards what motivates people. So the, the science of the brain science of motivation and how you get people on board with things and 
how you help them stick to goal, create goals and stick to them. And yeah, so that I, I really felt like I couldn't do it without more education. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did those. Great. And so now when you're working with dancers, what, what does a typical session look like? How, or probably not a single session, you probably have to do a series of sessions, right? So what's the format of the work you do? Right. So um, I have programs. Um, I have a six-month program. That's my like signature program. And that length of time was established when I was working at Integrated, or learning at Integrated Nutrition as the amount of time that it takes the average person to establish a new habit. So I've, I've stuck with that model because it's actually played out time and again. People come to me with some kind of issue that they want to resolve, and it takes a long time to break bad habits, create new habits, and then stick with them. So all of the dancers that come to me, they'll come to me or their parents will find me and we'll have an initial session where they, we just have a conversation where they tell me what's up and what they need and then I can discover whether or not I'm a good fit. And then we move into a program, a six month program. And the first session is different from all the other ones because we're setting up the, the situation like, you know, what usually there's an issue, some kind of something's come up, the dancer is injured all of a sudden, or she's been told she needs to lose weight, or she's been told she needs to gain weight. So we sort of set up the first session is long, she fills me in on all the details, and we set up like a blueprint for where she wants to be in six months' time. And then we start, and she learns about what smart goals are, and she learns about what the process is going to be like working with me. Then every session thereafter, we are we have a little check-in time, just like a general, how are you doing? And then we look at the we review the goals that she's set in the last week. And then we move into what's called like the generative moment. It's like the moment of so what's come up since the last time we talked. And sometimes not that much has come up, and that's when I will say, like, okay, so based on what I know you're working on, here's what I prepared for today. So there's always space for the dancer to say, I know we're supposed to be working on X, but Y just happened and I need to talk that out. So there's always space in there for that extra thing that happened. So you gave the example of issues like um, injury, weight gain, weight loss. What other issues tend to propel people to you? Negative self-talk, negative image, self-image. Um, a lot of dancers are their own biggest obstacles. They're really, as you, as you know, they're really hard on themselves as a group. Um, and I just think it's so interesting when teachers are like, well, we have to be hard on them, or they're just never going to progress. And I'm like, you have no idea how hard they are on themselves. Like, you really don't need to be that. So it's, there's often just the environment is too negative, or the dancer is very being very negative about herself. And so we will start with, you know, well, we just investigate all of that. I mean, I can go into that another time. But something else that's come up um, recently is um, like bullying mm -hmm. in the classroom or bullying outside the classroom. But it's coming into the classroom in subtle ways. So, you know, how does a dancer deal with an environment where the competition is really negative rather mm -hmm. than positive and motivational? Um, those are the big ones. Yeah. Those are the big ones, yeah. Or coming back from an injury and feeling like I can't. I'm way behind. I'm way behind. I can't. I don't know how to approach. I feel like I'm everything afraid. should be faster. I'm yeah. afraid. You know, all kinds of things around pain and injury yeah. that people just don't 
they're doing all the right things. They're going to the PT, they're doing their rehab, but their brain is left out of that process and they feel really at sea emotionally. And I also just want to clarify, you um, use the term SMART goals, which mm -hmm. we use, which is um, for people who don't know, that goals need to be um, specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, or is that the one? Or relevant. Like, irrelevant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and timely right. or task-oriented, right. sometimes the T. So um, I use this a lot with, with yeah, teaching. Yeah, they're really valuable because, um, you know, dancers say things like, I need to be able to do this variation um, by the end of the semester. And you're like, okay, so every week you say, uh, so how's that variation going? Oh, it's going good. You can't do that. Like, what do you mean? What's good about it? So we, we, I teach them like, what, what do you need to do exactly? Oh, well, you know, there's this section I have to do this diagonal of these step over turns, and it's really hard. Okay, so can you do one step over turn? Yeah, I can do one, but I, I can't do them in a row. Okay, and so you just break it down and break it down, and then what that does is, and I'm sure you know this, but just for your listeners, it helps them. You break things down into goals you can achieve. And then when you achieve that little goal, like I did two step over turns, then you feel like I could probably do three step over turns. Whereas if the goal is I have to do this whole variation, it's too big and it's too intimidating. And for someone who's having difficulty with the variation, you, you, can, you can make like very little progress from week to week and just get more and more frustrated. And the teacher is more frustrated because maybe the teacher isn't a person who's able to break things down for you or has 25 other kids in the class and can't work yeah. with you personally on that. Yeah. So the SMART goals are really key to the work that I do because it helps the dancers become more aware of like what they're trying to achieve and all the little steps that it takes to get there. And then they start achieving all those goals and that builds that sense of like, oh, I can create these things and achieve them and get the positive feedback loop for myself. I don't have to wait for the teacher to say, hey, that diagonal is looking better. I can say to myself, or to me, my wellness coach, I can say, hey, my diagonal is getting better. I want to hear about how I'm doing four and five in a row now. Yep. And that's huge. Yep. I mean, in part because, if you don't mind what I'm going on here, because there's so, dancers feel, in most cases, that they have so little agency and so little ownership because of the way the culture of the studio is. It's all about the teacher tells me and I do it. The teacher says stuff and I stay quiet and listen and do. And so they can often feel like, well, I don't know why it's going wrong, I have no idea. I'm like, how can you not know why your turns don't work? You must know, you must learn. I can't, yes you can, <laughs> let's talk about it. So that's a big thing where it just helps them over time I've seen, they start with me in a position of like, I, I don't know, why this isn't working, I don't know why I feel the way I feel, I have no tools, and then by the end of working with me, they're like, I can set these goals and achieve them. I can understand why these things don't work. If I'm upset, I can figure out why I'm upset. And that, to me, is huge. Yeah, empowering them. It's yeah. so empowering. Yeah. And in some cases, with dancers I've worked for for a long time, they're now in a position in companies, they're the talkers. They're the ones who say, hey, just a second, we don't have a lunch break today. I just noticed, like, what can you cancel so we can have lunch? And they're telling me these things, and I'm like, oh my god, I did it. Like, <laughs> it worked, you know, and not that I did it, but they did it. Like, yeah. they found that voice inside themselves to talk about where their needs aren't being met, and they're getting them met. And just a thing like that, like a dancer who now her entire class has lunch today, 
because she went and talked to the studio company director or whatever and was like, hey, there's a problem with the schedule. Right. My wellness is being impeded. And she yeah. did. She actually said that. She said, like, how are we going to dance well all afternoon if we don't get a lunch break? We need a lunch break. Right. And the director was like, oh, right, right, lunch break. Oh, totally missed that. You know? Yeah. That's so, great. That's yeah. a great story. Um, you talked about... It's interesting because you've talked a lot about there's a lot of technical things that you you know your expertise as a dancer is so important it sounds like um and you talked about how the negative self-talk is a big hurdle for mm-hmm. dancers and maybe we can talk about that more in another conversation and, and what else do you feel lies between many dancers and their success what sorts of challenges or issues there's a lot of um body image issues and they're often connected to food so in the sort of simplest scenarios dancers don't know what to eat they have no idea what they're supposed to be eating Mm -hmm. they're looking around at everyone around them and they're trying to learn from their peers which in some cases is really helpful and in other cases is the complete opposite so a lot of dancers and they always think they should just probably eat less Yes. For starters. Always, yeah. always. And that's a huge problem because, as you know, I mean, they all need to be eating more than they think they need to be eating, but they need to be eating different kinds of more than they think. So there's a huge nutritional component. Even people that come to me and they're like, oh, my food's fine. I totally got my food figured out. At some point in our conversation, I'll say, you know, let's talk about food just because that's part of what I do. And, like, all this stuff comes out. Oh, you know, for a while this was working and now it's not. And... So a lot of it is just helping them understand what, what a dancer's body needs to eat to be healthy and well-fueled, and then what that feels like emotionally to, to deal with food and eating. Yeah. There's a lot of resistance around a lot of dancers around talking at all about food because they've seen people get really unhealthy around them. They don't want to be that obsessive bunhead who's counting calories. And so what they do is they just push that part just out and they're like it doesn't matter I'm fine but what they come to realize in most cases I've, I've, I haven't had anybody who's like completely not turned around when it comes to food like it takes time for some people but most people are able to at some point say like oh right my body's my instrument that means what I put into it Matt. you know what I mean like just thinking to about take food a, as fuel really food as fuel and food as you know part of my training it's not like it's something else that I deal with outside of my wellness coach or my like it's part of how I dance every day. If I eat this thing for breakfast, I dance in this way. If I eat this other thing, I dance in this other way. Mm-hmm. And like helping them get to that place. Again, not where I tell them what to eat, but where they experiment and they figure out what works for them. And there are some dancers who come to me and they're like, you know what really works for me? And they tell me something and I'm like, whoa, I would not have guessed that because it's not generally what people say works for them, but it works for them. Right. Great. Eat that. So it's a lot of like increasing awareness Mm -hmm. that you do in Mm -hmm. terms of helping dancers detect when there's a problem, identify what's contributing to those problems. Yeah. And looking at each of those individually. Yeah, in a safe space. Right. So one of the things that I like about not being permanently employed by any one school is that they really do look at me as a safe space. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can tell me exactly what you're eating, you can journal your food for two weeks, and no one's ever going to see it but me. 
Right. Your you mom's can, not even going to see it unless I'm working with a minor and there's like a red flag issue. Like it's confidential. And so they can say things like, well, but I thought, I heard the other day everybody's taking fish oil and I, no, I don't know. And it's like, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, whereas if they say to their friends or they say to their dance teacher or they feel like they're going to be judged. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's a totally non-judgmental relationship that I bring to the table and that I, I'm not set, turning around and saying to their school, oh, by the way, right. she's really working on her weight loss. You don't have to worry because in six weeks she's going to look great. Like there's none of that. It's just, it's totally private yeah. and it's separate and they can ask whatever they want and then they can say whatever they feel without feeling like they're going to get judged for it. That's so important for dancers because we work so often in such a social context. Mm -hmm. We have so little of that. So. Yeah, you always feel like someone's watching you. Yeah, and they are. You. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> that too. It's not a feeling. It's a truth. <laughs> well, that brings up something interesting, which is that I used to work only with dancers in New York City, and we would meet in person. We would always sit in a cafe, or they would come to my office, and we would talk. And what I realized very shortly was like, they know that I'm looking at them. And they're always like, sometimes like they, like some dancers just like, they don't want to be upset in front of another person. Um, and so I had this idea, I was like, oh my God, this is why like the psychologist's sofa. It's like, you're supposed to not look at the people. So I started moving people to the phone. Initially it was because I was having a baby and I was like, I'm taking maternity leave, but I want to keep talking to you. So let's set up some phone calls. And I realized that like we had, I had some major breakthroughs with people on the phone. And I realized that it was because they were like, they would say like, oh, I'm at home in my pajamas and hanging out on my sofa. Yeah, I closed the door, there's nobody here. And I think they just felt free, unjudged, unlooked at. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, no, I know exactly out. what you mean, yeah. Stuff comes out. Yeah, I think, you know, dancers, a big part of the dance training is to um, control your emotion and your emotional, psych emotional psychological behavior. And so, and we do that for so much of the day, it's hard to escape it. So I think that's really interesting and makes total sense. Now I work exclusively on the phone. Yeah. Like I will set up an in-person session with someone I've never met before if they happen to be in New York, and especially if they're young, because it does help sometimes to establish that initial connection. Mm -hmm. But everything's on the phone because I found that people open up better, they feel less uh, fearful. Wow, that's great. So you can work with anyone anywhere. Yeah. You have clients probably all over. I have dancers in London. I have someone in Canada right now. Someone in the Midwest. Yeah. I've worked with I've worked with people in California. Yeah, everywhere. The time difference is the only like you know, right. juggling act, but actually it's you take two a.m. phone calls. No, <laughs> no, but actually Europe is awesome because. They're like late at night when they're actually free, right. like at 8, 9 p.m. But for me, it's like the middle of my work day, so it actually works out great. And I, and I talk to people at night, so like at home, I put my baby to bed, and then I get on the phone and talk to people. Well, um, so how do, if somebody somewhere, anywhere, wants to reach you, how do they find you? Um, the best place is online. I have a website. It's easullivan.com. And they can fill out um, a form that just asks to talk to me. It just gives me a little bit of information about you so that I know that you're for real. And then we set up a we set up an initial call, which I call a discovery session, to discover whether or not we're a good fit. And uh, that's it. We take it from there. Great. So that's E A Sullivan S U L L I V A N dot com. Yes. Great. Okay. 
Thank you so much for this information, Elizabeth. This is so valuable. You're very welcome. Great what you pleasure. do. And maybe we'll speak again soon. I hope so. On behalf of Marissa and myself, Ellie Kushner, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast to subscribe. We'll be releasing bi-monthly episodes with an emphasis on exploring 360 degrees of health and wellness for dancers. Have questions or want to get in touch? Email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye!